When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today live with Timothy McDowell. Live in Redmond, Oregon. In Redmond, Oregon. Show. Yes. So we are here at our retreat. You this is your first time to the high desert, perhaps, Tim? The high desert. I love it. I'm, you know, pretty much ready to move in. Yeah. Particularly this hotel. I mean, this hotel is uh, very, very nice. And um, really, my room is my vision of like if I had a room that I wanted to escape to, like, mm-hmm. you know, like in my house where no one else could come. It's your escape room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. my escape room. It's my own personal <laughs> escape room. Yes, yeah, just like very white, very light, very clean wood floors. Mm-hmm. Um, a meditation cushion that we were talking about, like, you know, thinking about using, but the fact that it's even in the room just like validates the fact that you're thinking about using it. So, um, yeah, it's very, and very a nice. White sound machine. That's a white going, noise machine. White yep. noise machine. Thank yep. you. Yeah. I love that. And, mm-hmm. um, the best part, Redmond feels very, uh, down home kind of, um, what would I say? I just, well, basically I love that we walked off the plane. There's no, there's no, um, getting off the airplane, you, you come off a ramp that's outside. So it makes you feel like you're just, it, it feels like yeah, very yeah, yeah. approachable. And you all walking around downtown, you, uh, I heard some of you thought it felt like Gilmore Girls. Oh yeah. The, um, the, that town hall looks very Gilmore Girls. Oh, or like uh, Back to the Future minus the uh, DeLorean. Yes, minus the DeLorean. I haven't seen and the one broken of those. Uh, clock tower thing. Yeah, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, it's a very, very cute town, and yeah. um, I'm glad that we still have everybody still here because we just did our first session at the retreat, and it was a strength session. And I just heard after the um, session that a couple people have had already started their retreat, maybe had a beer and a burger, or some Mexican food and a margarita, and I was having them doing some jumping in there and stuff. So <laughs> I'm glad they're I'm glad they're still sticking with us for a couple more days. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, let's bring in our guest, who is Lindsay Hagen, DPT, a physical therapist in Bend, Oregon, about 15 minutes away from here. She's in practice with her husband at a clinic that they founded called Capacity Performance Therapy. Lindsay's a mom of two school-age kids, and she ran the Olympic trials in 2020 and now runs ultra marathons. And I just found out right before we recorded this, she is going to be doing the trying to qualify or have qualified for. Trying to qualify. Trying to qualify for the 2024 Olympic marathon trials. Yes. And, uh, but in the shorter term, you're doing a 50K race tomorrow morning. And, uh, and Lindsay (laughs) ran her first marathon at age 20 or thereabouts after switching from soccer to running. And we're going to be talking with Lindsay about chasing a big goal and some misconceptions folks might have about physical therapy. We're going to take a couple questions from the audience, perhaps. We just sprung that on them, so we'll see. So we are so pleased to have you here and to be talking with you, Lindsay. Thanks so much. It's awesome to be here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Lindsay, so um, you started as a soccer player, and then you shifted to running. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. yeah I, fill us in on that, that um, transformation. I played Division One soccer 
uh, starting in college. And then after my fourth ACL surgery, the surgeon said, maybe he's done with soccer. Um, so I needed something to fill the practice time because I did better in school if I only had a certain amount of time to study. So I just started running for the two and a half hours rather than going to soccer practice. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. So I just, I didn't do the traditional, like start at a 5k and go to a 10k. I just went right you, to the marathon. <laughs> you, you doing, did you start running for two and a half hours? Well, I mean, obviously you were in great shape if you're a soccer player at division one. So, I mean, literally on the, your first run was two hours on the roads. Yep. Two and a half. Yep. Do, oh as she, do as she says, not as she does. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. <laughs> that was before PT school. <laughs> and do, did, was that um, a hard shift just because, I mean, soccer is such a team sport where you're coming and you're really engaging your head, engaging with your teammates and out on the road, we all know you are just, it's just you and you and you and maybe, you know, Beyonce in your ears and every once in a while. Um, I actually really appreciated it because by nature, I'm much an introvert. And so I felt like it was my time and I really like felt more refreshed to go out and talk to my classmates. So it was really nice shift. Good, good. Okay. So, um, on the Olympic trials page, it seems you, you, did you do your first marathon at age 20? Now that doesn't feel so impressive. If your first run was two and a half hours, I mean, come on, that's like you're halfway there, more than halfway there. Um, but, but this, uh, this idea is that, that that's a pretty mature age to take on a big goal like that. Yeah. Right. So can you like talk about what that felt like? What was it 20? That was your first marathon. I went, yeah, I was just 20. Yep. And what marathon did you run? Um, the California International Marathon, oh, which has wow. now grown significantly, but it was very small back in 2002. <laughs> Wait, um, before you, can, I, can you ask, tell us how old you are? Oh, I will be 40 this year. Really? Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, first of all, if you're not in the live audience, she does not look like that. <laughs> so she's a good poster for, for running, but also, so you've been running for 20 years. Correct. Yeah. And the CIM, and how many times have you run that? Um, six times. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So before we ask you about your personal quest for making the Olympic marathon trials, can you clue folks into how qualifying for the trials works? I think a lot of people are kind of confused by the process and all that good stuff and about the, you know, so about the process of getting to the trials and then the trials themselves, please. Yeah. So it's actually shifted since 2021, but Prior to that, so before the 2020 trials, the you just had to hit the qualifying standard, which for women was 245 and for men was 219. Um, and if you hit that standard, you could go to the trials and the top three on that day can make it to the Olympics. I was nowhere near the top three. I was probably closer to the back three, but the goal was to just make it to the trials at that point. And recently they have shifted it where you have to have the world standard and be top three on the day to make it to the Olympics. Obviously, I'm not at that caliber. My goal is to just make it to the trials. What, what's, do you know what the world standard is off the top of your head? For the men, it's sub 210, I believe. And for women, it's sub 229, 30. Um, but the standard for women currently for just the U.S. is 236.59. So they dropped it significantly since 2020. So I have so a big gotta, goal ahead of me. You got to cut off eight or so minutes. Eight minutes. Yeah. Which is not insignificant. You have to no. cut off eight minutes to get to be in the trials. Correct. But then to then go from the trials to to the Olympics. If if say the third place finisher runs a two thirty two, they're not going. Is that Correct. what you're saying? Wow. Mm. Unless they have run a two twenty nine at some other marathon. Oh, okay. So they have to have hit that standard at some time. It doesn't necessarily have to be at the trials. Let's say the trials had really crummy weather and people had really 
quote unquote slow times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Well, the funny thing is, is now you say you're so so we have to know what's your PR? What's your marathon PR? A two forty four twenty four. So I beat the standard by forty seconds. All I'm right. Barely under. <laughs> and and let's go back. Do you remember what your time was when you ran when you were twenty? I do. It was three eleven. Three eleven. Nice. And did you have goals going into that first marathon? No. No, just to finish? Yep. And did you just do it by yourself? Correct. Yep. And what did your parents think? Were they there or? Uh, they thought I was crazy. <laughs> they thought you were crazy. All right. All right. So do you just go to by yourself on that day and just be, okay, I'm going to run 26 miles yeah. today? So I, I, I should clarify that I uh, had transferred to UC Davis, which is only about 15 minutes away from Sacramento. And so I just okay. drove myself to the start line. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And, and did you drive yourself home as well? Could you walk after did, that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So when did you first set your sights on the Olympic marathon trials? Because obviously, so you were what, 30, what, four or 35 when you ran them? 36. 36. Okay. So tell, tell about how, how you decided to try to go for it. I think uh, after having my kids, I had run a sub three hour marathon and I thought, how much harder could it be? <laughs> turns out, turns out a lot harder. <laughs> um, and it just, it didn't seem that far off. And so I had some really fun running buddies and they would meet me at the track. But I think that was the first time where I'd actually run with people. And it really does make a difference to have a community. So you guys are all really lucky that you have each other to hold yourself accountable and show up and do the hard work. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And this was in Bend? That this you... was in Bend, okay. yep. Mm-hmm. And how did you find these people? Um, I stole them from my client list. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that, so, is that a HIPAA yeah. violation? Well, like? <laughs> I didn't say their names. <laughs> okay. So, Lindsay, you alluded to this, but that, that you're about your goal being to make it to the trials. And I think that's... Um, difficult for some people to understand that we're so in our culture so focused on getting to a podium and you know getting a medal or whatever and so that that the journey is to that not to what those are the tests for so could you kind of talk about that mindset and that process yeah so um even prior to 2020 i had shifted into the ultra marathon scene and i think that really reinforced the kind of journey of like to get to a hundred miles, like you really just kind of put your head down and go one foot in front of the other. And it's not really about the physical feet anymore because everything hurts at one point and you've already thrown up everything and you just kind of keep moving forward. And so I felt really selling those ultra. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I felt as if, if I could turn that into kind of this timestamp of how do I make that part of the journey? Um, it, you just have to work, work a little differently. I have to, Sarah, I just have to interject for one second because you and I got to see the 2012 Olympic trials in Houston, Houston, right? And uh, it was super impressive because even the slow people are just wicked fast. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think that translates to anybody running a marathon. It's like, it's your journey, right? It doesn't matter if you're running a four hour or a six hour marathon, that that's your your day. And that's why it's important to you. Yeah. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Agreed. But yeah. (laughs) Well, it also reminds me a little bit um, of that Kara Goucher said how she thinks it's harder to run a four hour marathon because she's like, well, how do you not have to go to the bathroom for that whole time? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. So then, you know, what was it like running those trials? I mean, to be there, it was, first of all, it was right before COVID lockdown. 
And so, you know, and it was back in your old stomping grounds of CIM, California International Marathon. Oh, no, no, no. That was where you qualified. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then, I mean, there you are with the creme de la creme marathoners. So it just, you did you think like, how did I get to this party? Yeah, exactly. Like full uh, imposter syndrome. Right. Mm. Um, but because it was such a big field size. So usually there are 150 women that make it to the trials and 2020, there were 500 women. Wow. Um, and, uh, which is why they lowered the standard, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but it was so amazing to be part of such a powerful movement. The men still only had 150 qualified. So the women kind of took over the city of Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, that really speaks to the growth of women in the sport. Doesn't Absolutely. It? Yeah. Yeah. So what did that feel like? I mean, standing in that start, do they divide you up in the starting corral? Is it everyone no, for themselves? Everyone goes. Elbows yeah. Out? yeah. I could have been right next to, yeah, Des Linden. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and what did it feel like? I mean, so like, because you are running with so many front runners at that point, you know, like usually at a Twin Cities marathon or whatever, you know, there's, there's the front runners and they get spread out, but you're, I mean, is it weird to have like, people like a big flock right around you yeah it went out way too fast yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh good i'm glad you make the same mistakes we do yeah. thank you for being human yeah. yeah it was a looped course and i think i went out in like 5 30 pace and yeah it paid for it but it was amazing to be right with them yeah yeah wow okay so you went out at 5 30 what were you s- supposed to be going out at six. Oh, okay yeah so <laughs> s- significantly different yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so how long did that did your take for your adrenaline to calm down and to get into your race plan probably the whole first loop which was about eight mile, eight miles oh boy yeah mm-hmm. and, and that was a, the second two loops were real slow <laughs> hot wasn't it or no no super windy oh, oh okay that's yeah. right yeah mm-hmm. yeah we were at our um hilton head retreat yeah and we we were watching it in a conference room so we were with you in spirit yeah <laughs> yeah yeah Oh my gosh. All right. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break to hear from the folks who allow us to bring you this free content. Please support them like they support us. Okay, Lindy. So what prompted you to switch from running marathons to ultra marathons? Um, Bend, Oregon was probably the biggest shift of the Mm. trails are so accessible and road running is just not what people do here. And yeah. so I, jo- I joined the bandwagon and ran on the trails and enjoyed Smith rock. And yeah, it turns out there's not very many short trail races around here. So <laughs> by happenstance had to go up. So was your first um, trail run? Was it two and a half hours? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but what, and, what? I, and I did just go straight to a hundred. <laughs> Did you really? Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. wow. We're sensing a little uh, character trait flaw. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was after PT school, so I can't even blame that. <laughs> so when, when did you run your first 100 miler? I read the Leadville 100. Oh, oh good. Yeah. So it wasn't even like the... <laughs> go big or go home there, Lindsay. Uh, yeah. Were you able to finish it? The first time through? I did. It was, yeah, it was a suffer fest, but it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. So how many have you done since then? Five. Five. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. And what's your favorite out of those five? Mm. There's one in Bend that's called the Oregon Cascades 100. Um, and it's beautiful. You don't have to go up any of the Sisters Mountains, but you just get to go all around them. Okay. <laughs> nice. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So you got this 50K tomorrow. And you use an interesting term while we were talking beforehand. You said that you have a very busy weekend with your kids' activities, uh, big baseball tournament, dance, recital. And so you use a term. I don't, I'm not remembering what it was, but you, that 
how you described the 50K. Like, it was basically, I took it to mean you just need to get your yayas out before you had to go sit at this baseball tournament. Yeah, fatigue resistance. So Fatigue resistance, yeah. that's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just a training run for, for the, the rest of life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what race are you running tomorrow? Uh, the Mackenzie River 50K. The Mackenzie River 50K. It's and, supposedly gorgeous. Yeah, that's it's like the number one mountain it. bike trail in America. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. really? Wow, mm-hmm. okay. Are they, uh, do you know if they're stopping mountain bikes on the trail tomorrow? They are. That's a little annoying when yeah. you're out running on the trails, gotta say. Um, okay, so you're training for something else. So this is a training run for what? Besides life, anything else? Um, there's a 50 miler around Mount Hood next weekend. And then. So, so you're doing that next weekend? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Don't you love how she says, uh-huh? Like, it's like, okay. <laughs> Kristen's got her eyes like wide open right now. Okay. You're doing the Mount Hood 50 miler. Yep. And then the next weekend, a hundred miler. No, then, uh, <laughs> no, a hundred miler in August. And then the Chicago marathon will be the next like attempt at the trials qualifier. Okay. Oh, and what's it like to try to qualify at a big, big, I mean, California international is not a small race, but significantly less crowded than Chicago. I mean, you get to start up at the front in Chicago. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And what do you have to do to, to, you know, elbow your way up there to the front? It's, it's... Um, well, you, you talk to the coordinators and then they, okay. they uh-huh. allow you, they allow you to go up to the front. Uh-huh. I'm part of this group, uh, that's currently running for Nike. And so they coordinate a group of us that gets to go up to the front that okay. we are not professional by any means. Nobody pays us, but, um, mm-hmm. they are trying to facilitate to get a big group of women back to the trials again. Oh, that's intriguing. It's awesome. Wow. And what did you, uh, you know, can you share a couple more details on how you got involved with that? And they reached out to me after the 2020 trials and just, I think they were probably going by the people that had barely qualified because <laughs> they knew we weren't sponsored, <laughs> <laughs> but it's been really fun because everybody is kind of similar chasing big dreams, but you know, it's probably pretty far off of hitting the standards. So it's just shoot your shot kind of. Hmm. Wow. So what will that look like in Chicago when you try to shoot your shot? So are you like, talk, we'll talk about that and then talk about kind of when you have to have that qualifying time by. You don't have to have the qualifying time until the end of December. Um, so it wouldn't be the last time that you could try. Probably CIM would be the last that I would try, but you could do New York. You can do any of the fall marathons, but that's probably the last big organized one okay mm-hmm. it's and, hard to it's hard to remember what year it is so this is 2023 so then because then when are the trials february of next year in florida Ooh, so flat but hot, hot <laughs> and humid uh-huh that would be a lot to do chicago C- in early october cim in early december and then the trials yeah Mm-hmm. So we're hoping we don't have to do the December race. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in the Nike group, uh, you know, the, that you're about to turn 40. I mean, what are, how many other women in the group are right around your age? Very few. Oh. <laughs> Most people are in their twenties and not having kids yet. <laughs> oh, well, like what? T- talk to us about the, do you have a sense of the percentage of the people? Um, I would say less than 5% have kids. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Which just affects training volume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that, how you feel your training is different because you have kids um, versus your child-free younger compatriots. Yeah. My alarm is set for 3.30 most mornings so that my run starts at 4 and I am back home by 5.45 to start 
breakfast for the kids at six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And there's not too many naps in your weekend schedule. Shockingly, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless you fall asleep at the ba- uh, yeah. baseball. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which can happen. That can happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what time do you go to bed? Around nine. Around nine. All right. I like that. But still, that's only... Okay, Lindsay, I'm a little worried for you. That's only six <laughs> hours of sleep every night. and you're Six and a half. <laughs> All right. I'm just putting on my mom hat. I'm just saying. Doing some demands on your body. All right. Well, so um, do you feel like you can get the Olympic trials in Chicago? Not to put you on the spot, but like compared to like where you're running now versus where you got it before. It seems lofty. It seems lofty. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all pulling for you. Thanks. I'm letting you know. Yeah, we are all pulling for you. <laughs> mm. Mm. Okay. So do as you say, not as you do. So you are a physical therapist and an ultra runner. So if you have, if you want to give some advice to people who are like, okay, I'm ready to take to the trails and really push myself on distance, what would you recommend stepping up to a 50 K for the first time? In terms of training load, training load, or just kind of mentality, just, just like talk a little bit about the shift from going from road to trail. And then also kind of how you adjust your training again for somebody who is maybe not quite as um, experienced as you are. Yeah. So I would say, don't think of it as a marathon because it's definitely longer than a marathon and it's, it's challenging in different ways in terms of you have to look at your feet so that you don't trip and fall. Um, so it, it's mentally task taxing in terms of, you know, you can't just check out during the marathon and zone out and listen to the crowds. There's no crowds. <laughs> yeah. You listen to your own head, um, <laughs> or music. But, uh, I would say that I would get on the trails probably twice a week. You don't have to do all your runs on trails, but just that little bit of feedback of how quickly you have to take steps so that you avoid rocks and roots and whatever it might be in your way. Cougars. <laughs> Cougars. Have you seen a cougar? I have. Oh, and bend at Smith Rock. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Smith Rock is where we're going for people who are listening right now. We're going to go hike there on Sunday. Um, I'll go in the lead. I'll take the hit for the team. All right. I'll take the cougar. (laughs) Dim's a big, tasty treat. (laughs) All right. So, Lindsay, you and I go way back to 2015. And, um, while it's lovely to see you, it does bring back memories of why we saw each other, which was you rehabbed me. You started my rehab when I fractured my ankle four times. And um, I did enjoy PT so much. I just, um, I mean, one, it felt good to be doing something again. Oh, yeah, I saw you look down. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the, that's the kind of bigger scar, the inside one. I still ones. remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But when, when we were together, you were pregnant with your first child. Yes. So how did you find coming back, you know, running during pregnancy and then coming back from your pregnancy? Yeah. So 2015, I must've been pregnant with my second. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was that how long? So that was eight years ago. Yeah. So I think, and if your older child's nine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I would say the second was We're good at the math. Right. (laughs) See the two of us working together (laughs) on it. Like looking at each other's eyes and being like, "Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm, So being pregnant the first time was easy because my body hadn't experienced it before. Um, So I felt like I came back really easily, quickly. Um, Being pregnant the second time was a little bit of a different story. It was more uncomfortable to run while pregnant. But I still feel like I probably bounced back faster than most. And everyone's so different. But I do see a lot of postpartum people that compare themselves to the pros or whatever. And you just have to realize that they're working every day with professionals to get back as quickly as possible because they're on contracts. So I think 
give yourself grace. Don't go back too soon. You'll, you'll be thankful in the long run. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they have support staff other than just PTs. I mean, they have dietitians, they have body work professionals, yeah. they have just, a, and a lot of technology and, yeah. and yeah, coaches, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it is, it is very different. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that the average person has a firm grasp of what a physical therapist does and when they should consider seeing one? Or do you think some folks think a PT is just a specialist you see when, say, you need to rehab after you've fractured your ankle in four places? I'm hoping that the image of a physical therapist is shifting away from that of once I'm injured, then I go see a physical therapist and it's more of how do I prevent injury or maybe they're the first stop of do I need to go see an orthopedist or can I kind of strengthen around this? I would say bend is better than most in that aspect, just because nobody wants to be taken away from their endurance sport here. Um, <laughs> Boulder's and, the same way. Yeah. Right. yeah. So they, they avoid the doctor like the plague and they will come see a physical therapist any day because <laughs> I know the doctor will say, stop running or biking or mountain climbing and yeah. we, we won't. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you'll give them solutions maybe to have a workaround or right. make it a shorter time off if, if it comes to that. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so recently on our AMR Answers podcast, we had a caller who was entering a training cycle for a big goal race, um, a marathon, I think. Um, and she wanted to know about seeing a PT as almost a precautionary measure to help her stay healthy throughout her training cycle. So did, do, does that happen much with you? Yeah, I probably scheduled three people today with that in mind of I have a race coming up. I have a little niggle. Should I see you first or yes. should I wait to see if it gets worse? Yeah. And I said, absolutely, come in sooner and then we'll kind of work around it. And see yeah. It. But what about if they don't even have a niggle? Like I'm okay. I'm and, and maybe coming back after having a baby or, you know, they're prone to having a high hamstring issue on their left side or something. And they're like, okay, I'm going to go try my first 50 K like let's, let's get things lined up before I start to hurt. Like, is that pretty yeah. common? Super common. Yep. Especially if they have a goal. So I had uh-huh. a couple people that are doing bigger ultras and they just wanted to make sure that strength was equal and they were in balance and yep. Okay. We have a, um, we actually have a uh, coach in the Train Like a Mother Club. Her name is Jess Hoffheimer, and she talks about. Um, she goes to her PT once a month, and they call it the Search and Destroy mission, which I love. Yeah. You know, where she just goes and checks in. Like, is, is that something that you recommend for an average athlete? Yeah, and that's what that's the way our business model works. Is it's yeah, kind of like tune ups of like just how you would take in your car to get an oil change. It's just make sure everything's working right. Um, the reason we can do that though is because we are out of network for insurance. If you're trying to use insurance, most the time you have to have a diagnosis from a doctor and kind of go through all those hoops. Um, so that's how we can work around it. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a good point. Actually, the, the PT I'm seeing now is, and, and when I saw you, it was not in network. It was not, I had to pay out of pocket. Yeah. But then I was actually talking to, to my PT that Amy Benton, and she said that she sees also a pelvic floor specialist in kind of that preventative way. And she's had two kids and that, so she kind of just goes for a tune up. You know, in a way. Yeah. So just kind of, it's a different way of looking at it. Yeah, for sure. Because I feel like, I mean, I know, uh, speaking of from busy, you know, busy people, and especially if you're paying out of pocket, you know, like I'm going to go first, I'm going to wish really hard that my injury goes away by doing the exact same (laughs) thing all the time. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's usually not going to work, but I'm just going to try again one more time. It might be the magic time. Um, And then it's like, it's almost like I get to this tipping point where, I can't do the thing anymore. And that's when I come to see somebody like you, Lindsay. I mean, can you try to talk people 
away from that ledge a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The goal is to do that earlier. Yeah. Wait, yeah. wait before the tip has already happened and come in a little bit sooner. Similar to like how you would go see a masseuse, right? You would schedule a massage because you felt tight or stressed. So you should go see a PT if you feel like, oh, I could improve a little bit here or there. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about people and their compliance to the exercises you give them. And she's already laughing. So I'm <laughs> glad it's a good question. So, okay. What are the tips and tricks that you give people to kind of make sure that they are you give them a checklist? Do you give them an ultimatum? Like what, what do you do? I, I don't overwhelm them with exercises to do. I find their weak points that are going to be the most effective for kind of their goals and give them one or two things to work on. Um, and then once they can see the difference, then it's, they've already bought in and then I can give them a few host of exercises that'll continue their strength gains. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you tell when someone hasn't been doing their exercises? Absolutely. <laughs> Do you feel, I find that PTs have almost like x-ray vision, that they can see the tiniest of things. And you know that, oh, that was great. You engaged your abs. I'm like, I'm wearing a baggy shirt. How did you see that? Mm-hmm. And do you find that to be the case? And do you ever feel like that the way you see things is literally different than the way other people see things? Yeah. For To a detriment too, I can see when, I, I feel like I stare at people's butts a lot. <laughs> Well, there's the quote of the year for our podcast. <laughs> I think that's what, um, you know, Starrett's Kelly and Juliet, they have their built to move book. And I think somewhere when I was reading about that book, um, they talk about how they just like when they're standing in TSA line, like they just look at people's butts because what, okay, for, uh, for those of us who are not PTs, what are you looking for? Is like, if it's flat, it's not engaged. If it's round there, what, what, what are we looking at? Yeah. General posture, but yeah, in general, we sit a lot of our day. And so our glutes get to be lazy and then we stand up and want to go run and don't have to, and don't use your glutes. And so then you're overextending with your hamstring or overutilizing your hip flexor. So yeah, those are the common things we see. Yeah. What does a flat butt mean? No muscle mass, <laughs> <laughs> which again, it means you're probably not not using them. Not using it. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a kind of a flat butt, so I'm just asking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean it's weak. It's just not utilized. Used. Yeah. yeah. Initiated. Initiated. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Initiate. Yes. Yes. I remember I would call it my bad ankle and, and you were like, no, it's your affected ankle. <laughs> and so somebody, someone else said something. I was talking to somebody at an expo or something and they said, oh, this is my bad. I'm like, no, 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 not bad. Affected. Yeah. 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 Self-talk is important. <laughs> it is. It is. Okay. I, most of the listeners know, but, and I think I told you that I'm coming back from several bulging discs. And so that's why I'm largely why I'm seeing a PT again. So I am a rule follower. So, you know, every day, every day I start with PT exercises, you know, go to the bathroom, brush my teeth and then boom on, you know, on the floor doing them. And, but I, so I have to, you know, I wake up 30, 45 minutes earlier than I would otherwise. And I have a little bit more latitude in when I wake up because I work from home. <laughs> give give my a kids three o'clock call as well, yeah, Sarah, yeah, three yeah. o'clock yeah. alarm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I sometimes wonder, am I going to have to be doing this for the rest of my life? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not too. Thank you. <laughs> Can we, I mean, do pe- so should there be, you know, I'm, I'm not going to just stop doing them cold turkey one day and just wait till some pain comes back and then start doing them again. But I mean, I don't know. It is there, can one be weaned off of PT exercises? Yes. Uh-huh, yes. As long as there's other things that are supplementing in terms of strength gains, but really twice a week is awesome. Oh, okay. 
when you're in an acute phase like you seem to be, then I would say the daily is necessary. But then mm-hmm. once it's no longer bothersome on a daily basis, then I would say wean yourself. Okay, good. Weaning's good. Weaning yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, and I mean, that's the reality of anything, right? Exercise, endurance, all that kind of stuff. I mean, unfortunately you can't just like, okay, I can run 50 K today and in six months I'm going to be able to do it again. Yeah. Like you got to keep it up. And that's the same thing with the strength. Like even when you fix a bulging disc or a fractured ankle or anything like that, it's still going to be a weak point, right? So you can't just be like, oh, like, you know, wash your hands of it and be like, oh, I'm good. Right. Yeah. Wait till you pull, pull weeds again for six months. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, let's open it up to the audience. You all have had time. Oh, look at that. Katie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Come on over here. Hold Katie. on. Hold on. All right, this is Katie. Well, congratulations on making the trials last time. I'm curious with the Nike group you're working with now, is that just strictly coaching or do they offer nutrition, kind of whole life things to get you guys ready for this? Or is it is it just strictly training plans kind of stuff? Uh, they've been super supportive. Um, they invited us all out to the headquarters and did lactate threshold testing and um actually efficiency testing in various shoes. So they're what they get out of it is we send them a bunch of data on different shoes. And so they're looking at foot cadence and heart rate in whichever pairs of shoes that they send us. And then we get, yep, nutrition coaching, mental health training, and it's all via online because everyone's all over the US. And then they support us at these races. Were you a Nike runner beforehand? No. Oh, okay. Good. Uh-huh which they actually appreciated. They, and they wanted to know why, and they wanted to know why it's not kind of a main brand. Like mm-hmm. it's not the first brand you would pick as running. I'm going to go get my running shoes, right? Mm-hmm. It's the basketball mm-hmm. shoes mm-hmm. and the, yeah. yeah. Yep. Until yep. these new marathon shoes. Have you seen these new marathon? Shoes? I haven't seen the new marathon mm-hmm. shoes. Are you talking about like the ones that the, um, was it Kipchoge who yeah. ran the sub two? Mm-hmm. So those are now available for the general public? Yes. They for, were... for how many doll hairs do those cost? <laughs> well, uh, 250 to $375. Oh. Well, but 250 is not that much. I mean, if a regular pair of shoes is 130 I mean, I, okay, so that's almost twice as much. But, you know, it's not like it's the difference between a um, Ford and a, you know, Tesla. Right, but you're not wearing them every day. You're only wearing them for the race. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that in this kind of spe- It's like a wedding dress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But you could, in, in theory, wear those very expensive shoes more than once, right? Or do they are they just or they decompose like they just <laughs> <laughs> you can wear them a little bit, but the, yeah, they do wear down faster than a normal shoe. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. But do, I mean, but come on, I wonder how far back in the pack they're expecting people to wear those. Like, I mean, you'd look like a major poser if you were like a five and a half hour marathoner and showed up in those shoes. <laughs> Be surprised. I mean, they probably only make them in men's sizes for those types of people, right? Like, because yeah. the women won't be doing Wait. that. <laughs> no comment. Uh, no, no comment. <laughs> Do we have any other questions? Oh, good. A, a few here, Anne. Anne coming in from the Twin Cities. So, if you're able to make it to, uh, oh, sorry, the Olympic trials, um, what are you hoping for from the experience? I don't even know that I would go to Florida. I think it's really about having the goal and. Um, working towards it. It's not really, the time doesn't really mean anything to me in my life, but it would just be that I have, you know, set a new goal and accomplished it. I don't, I'm not sure I would go to the trials again after having experienced it in Atlanta. It was amazing. And I'm not sure they could compete because Atlanta did such a great job. Really? 
you don't want to go there and show them what a because by then you'll be over well you'll be 40 so with two kids i mean like represent well again i was probably the last 10 people that made it through the finish line last time it was like but you crossed that finish line i mean nobody in this room crossed that finish line to my knowledge (laughs) you know Um, but I can understand that too. I was talking, who was I talking to about the Boston? Oh, I was talking to Linda about the Boston Marathon and she's um, requalified this year, right? And, but she's like, I might not go back just because, you know, new adventures, new things, it's money, it's time, it's effort, it's thought, it's all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Would a certain company foot your bill if you went back to Florida or no? Um, I don't believe so. Okay. Yeah. That is a consideration. I mean, when I went to run Boston in, in uh, 2012 and it was the awful heat and they're like, oh, you know, if you haven't picked up your bib, you can uh, just, we'll roll it over next year. I'm like, I just flew 3,000 miles to be here. I can't afford to come back. You know, this is it. This is my, that was my Boston, first Boston. Yeah. yeah. Nice. There was uh, another question over here. Kathy? Understanding that everybody is different. Everybody as, is a different type of athlete, but generally, what are your top three favorite PT moves that you could leave us with? Oh, wow. That's, that's a, that's a tough question. Can I think about that one and get back to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll take another, well, th- th- then you're going to be answering another question while. So. It's all right. I can think okay, about two it. Sides of your Pam has okay. a question. Here you go, Pam. Yeah. Mine's a PT one too. So maybe okay. this will be helpful. If you're doing a sport where your body is used unevenly, how can you combat that? Like mm. I'm boxing a lot. And like, you know, I'm orthodox, like there's a lot that's happening from the right side that's not on the left. So other than trying to box southpaw, like how can you? Dim and I had that with rowing. I mean, yeah, you know, the uneven back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably an underutilized move in runners that people don't focus on is thoracic rotation. Um, if you don't have equal thoracic rotation, your arm swing is off. And so then you're, you will use your hips differently. So I'd say even just stretching your opposite rotation, like on a foam roller or on the floor can help just for the arm swing part. Um, for the hip stability part, I would say stand on your other leg while you brush your teeth. <laughs> oh, are you back to your three? What, what do you yes. got for us okay. now, Lindsay? <laughs> okay. Oh, that was impressive. Um, this will be hard on podcast for me to describe. Is well, that okay? That's okay. okay. Give it a go. We'll, okay. we'll try. So you're going to stand on one leg. And we're going to get up right now. Yeah. Let's try it. Stand on one leg. Then you're going to pretend that you have a wall to kick with your back leg. Okay. Oh, you do okay. have one. Yeah. Then you're going to hip hinge. So chest goes to the ground. And then your back knee is rotating in and out. The back so, leg is just to throw off your balance. All the stability should be coming from your front uh, glute and hamstring. So it's a tiny bit, a little bit like a you know dog lifting its leg. The yeah, one I leg. call it the runner wall fire hydrant. There you go. Look at how we are in sync. <laughs> All right, there runner wall is. fire hydrant. That's, if that's you don't good. feel your glute working, it's because your chest isn't low enough to the ground, so you have to go mm-hmm. lower to the ground. Mm-hmm. So that right. would that would be my one glute exercise. Um, then my one like lower body exercise would be soleus strengthening, which again is underutilized. And most people think of strengthening their gastroc. So they're doing like heel raises and I would say do a bent knee heel raise, which sounds silly, but it's very important, especially for hill climbing, if you want to move into the trails. So the goal is that you keep your knee bent and you're going up and down 
onto your toes. Obviously, if you're on one leg, it's harder. <laughs> I like that. So that'd be my lower chain is bent knee heel raises. Um, you can go off of a step to do it. You can go into a wall to do it. Um, my third would be a core engagement exercise. So you would be on all fours and then just hovering your knees off the ground. So like a bear position. And then you pick up one limb at a time. So you'd pick up your right foot for 10 seconds, then your left foot, then your right hand, then your left hand, trying to keep your back level. Mm. All right. We're going to try that tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's great. Those are great. Really good. Thank you. Great. Thank yeah. you. Any other questions before we let Lindsay go and get off her feet and eat some oh, dinner? Great. We, Susie's oh, yeah, got yeah. a question here. I'm really curious what kinds of exercise you do in addition to the running, the trail running that you're doing. Me personally? Uh-huh. Um, I do a various exercises, mostly like step ups on a big box. I'll do like rear foot elevated split squats where you drop your back knee. So you're in like that position to do one leg at a time. Um, Nordic hamstring curls. So I'll put my feet underneath a bed and kind of lean forward. Yeah, I'd probably say I do six or seven exercises twice a week, but it probably takes 10 or 15 minutes. I'm not as good at strength training as most people tell me I should be. (laughs) Do you do any like... I, and I realize your your day is like more packed than any of us could realize. Um, but like yoga, Pilates, stretching, meditation. What what do you do? Like anything else? Like what's your self care, Lindsay? That's what I'm a little worried about. I got I know, don't I'm just throwing I that out there. I don't do a lot of that. Uh, I do have the benefit of being a physical therapist, so I do feel like I'm kind of active and lifting and carrying weights back and forth all day. So I do feel like I get some kind of general movement that way um, versus sitting in behind a desk. So I'm lucky in that sense. What, 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 and, I, and I'm not trying to put this down, but I'm serious. Like, what do you like to do to, re- to relax? Like, what do you do? Oh, I go run in the forest. <laughs> okay. All right. She's got it. She's got it. All right. <laughs> Any All other right. questions? Oh, yeah. Brooke's got one. I love this. I love good. We don't have any prizes for you like Oprah. We don't have a car for all of you. Sorry, you mentioned going home to fuel. What will you have for dinner or breakfast or to fuel on your race tomorrow? Um, Dinner, I usually keep it pretty simple. So I'll do like rice and beans and some veggies, not too much lettuce because that will be an issue tomorrow. (laughs) And would your family eat that meal too? Or do you make something different for them? I make something different for them. I don't eat meat and they do. So I always make two dinners. (laughs) Um, And then morning I'll do like oatmeal and a banana. Pretty basic. I would say the biggest shift in my training has been fueling while running. So I was pretty bad at it at the beginning. And all the research recently is showing how much carbs women need specifically during activity. Um, So I would say I'm pretty strict with how many carbs I take while I'm running. So I try to get to like 60 to 90 carbs an hour, which is a lot. So that would be like three of those normal size gels. And if you add that over... 20 hours of running. Yeah. It's a lot of gels. <laughs> it is a lot of gels. But that's, I, lo- I love that you're saying that because I think I know that a lot of people don't believe that they need to do that. Yeah. Right. And they just think, oh, I'll just go, yep. you know, until I hit the empty. And you start fueling right when you, right away. Right away. Yep. So you're looking at like, because it's about 300 calories an hour. That's what 60 to 90 grams of carbs are. Or is it, is yeah. It depends on which kind of uh, fueling you use. Uh-huh. And I would say I shift because you can't eat all the sugar forever. Yeah. 
And so there's some brands that are doing higher carbs with less sugar and okay. more neutral flavor. So I would say I, I tend to lean towards those ones. Okay. Do nice. you ever use any real food out on the trail? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorites of that? Mm, whatever's at the aid stations. So mm-hmm. by mile 73, a quesadilla tastes real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still claim that that's the best quesadilla I've ever had. <laughs> mm. It was probably covered in dirt. <laughs> yeah. I was saying you probably make a lot of quesadillas. If you're like me, you made a lot of quesadillas for your kids, right? So like you're like, if that, that tastes so good, yeah. right? You find, appreciate it a lot more. Someone else making it for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Lindsay, thanks for taking time out before yeah. your big day tomorrow to come yeah. talk with us. Thanks it's great so much. To see you. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good luck. All right. If, as, as you've been listening to this episode, you've been wishing you could be in this audience live for this recording, you can. Please join us at our next retreat being held November 3 to 6 on beautiful, tranquil Hilton Head Island. Much like this retreat, we'll bring in guest presenters, go on group runs, eat delicious meals, do yoga, make loads of new friends, and laugh, all with a front row seat of the Atlantic Ocean from our host hotel, the aptly named Beach House. Hilton Head is going to be our last retreat for the foreseeable future as we're pressing pause on our retreats for a bit. So if you've ever daydreamed about attending an AMR retreat, now is the time to make that dream a reality. Go to anothermotherrunner.com and click on events in the top navigation bar to find all the details and to register. Again, go to anothermotherrunner.com, click on events at the top of the homepage. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medore from Fire on the Bluff with help on the ground here in Redmond, Oregon by dear Alex Ward. Thank you all. <laughs>